welcome to the B-Sides. Hey. Hey. Welcome to the episode. Hey. I'm Hannah Zell. I'm Mimi. I'm Becky. Hi, Mimi and Becky. Um, this is the B-Sides. We're here. We're psyched. This is this is a podcast for people who uh, who love Carly Rae Jepsen and who who would like to see the fall of capitalism in our time. I would say if you if you identify with both those uh, truths, then welcome to the B sides. We're excited to have you all here. How are you all doing, Becky Mimi? What's up? Regular regular Sunday. It's a good Sunday. Yeah. yeah. Regular raining pouring in New York. It's fucking gross out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Flash flood. Flash flood alert. It is absolutely um, here's what's up with me. Mm-hmm. Kevin McHale from Glee put out a music video that I'm really into. Mm. I would say the song itself, Help Me Now, is good. It's not like the best song of all time, but it's like he it's a it's a it's a dance video and it's like only him going through all these different worlds and um I just find it really endearing. And I think he basically is like, you know me from Glee as the person in the wheelchair who only got one episode to dance when I had a dream sequence, but I want you all to know that I can dance. So for my single, I'm going to dance and I'm really excited for him. And it's a really fun and catchy song. And so I've been listening to that a lot. Help me now by Kevin McHale. Get hype. Help me now. I'm getting caught up in 10 feet of water, staring at the bottom. Yeah, help me now. Sorry. What else have you all been listening to? Well, I just saw Lizzo last weekend, and she was fucking incredible. I suggest that anyone who has the chance to go see her should. She just has brings a great energy on stage. She had everyone chant at each other, like, you are valuable, you are worth it. What? During the concert. Um, It was awesome. And she doesn't have that many songs. So she was only on for like an hour and 10, which was a little disappointing because I wish she had been on for two hours. Also, sorry, burying the lead. Her opener, Taylor Prex, was one of Ariana's seven rings. Yeah. She, I don't know if it was the venue that I saw her in, but the acoustics were horrible and she was not good. But I would like to give her the benefit of the doubt that I... She was singing clearly off um, a computer. Not off a recording, but her music. She was singing over... Yeah, it wasn't a band. And so I think that that was maybe why her... She didn't sound great. That's a bummer. And I was on the second floor and I couldn't hear her. But it was cool. She's She's incredibly talented. Let's give her the benefit of the doubt. And we'll see if we can see her again one time soon. And she's definitely going to be... I would, I'm going to think that maybe in a year or so, she's someone to follow. Hell yeah. Um, and she was very cute. And she had a very nice, like, cactus stage. I love that. Oh, yes. I love that. I, I love her. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, she was cute. I'm really excited for her. Lizzo was someone, so I got to see her. Nina, hi, Nina, if you're listening, um, told me that we should, that I should see her when she came to D.C. almost three years ago. And I had never heard of her and it was the best night of my life. But actually how it happened was that Nina um, commented on a Lizzo picture. That was a picture of like her tour dates. And she tagged me and she said, should we see this? And Lizzo responded and said, yes, you should come. So we were like, oh my God. I didn't know her really, but I still thought it was cool that she had like added us. Um, So then we saw her in a very small venue. And I like have never in my life been as happy as I was in those few hours. And I did an after 
after she was done, before we were even out of the venue, so it was still in those like initial moments, I called my sister, who at the time lived in Massachusetts, and I said, Lizzo's going to be in Boston in two days. I will buy a ticket for you and a friend. Can you go? I need it. She was like, who's Lizzo? And I was like, you don't understand. You need to go. And it turns out she couldn't. And I was really upset. But in the coming years, my sister has obviously grown to love Lizzo. And the second time I saw her, she was opening for Haim, which was a really... Yeah, that's when I saw Yeah, her. and it was an amazing... Did she do what she did in our um, concert? She was like, um, who here has like listened to my music before? And a bunch of people were like, hey. And then she was like, who here has no fucking idea who I am? You're only here to see Haim, but you're having the best time ever and you love me now. And everybody was like, ah! And it was like such a good way yeah, of owning her. that you're an opening act. It was amazing. Yeah, it was sad. I was like, two thirds were not there. And I was like, you people suck. Oh, and then they all came for when Heim came? Oh, yeah. Well, they missed out. I know. It was amazing. That was a great concert. Heim was, oh, my, I like cried. She's so, they're so they're good. They're so good. I can't wait for any music from them, by the way. Mm. Danielle posted on Instagram that they're coming out with something. My, uh, our friend, Grace, Grace, if you're listening, hi, just saw them at Ross and Daughters in New York. <laughs> And didn't take a photo, so she's dead yeah, to me. How dare you? Mm-hmm. How dare you, Grace? Danielle's also in the new Vampire Weekend. She's in like four songs. Yes. Oh yes. 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 That's so exciting. Mm-hmm. Do we like the new Vampire Weekend? Haven't listened. We like some of it. I I listened to it with my brother, who was like a big, big Vampire Weekend head back yeah. in the day, and he didn't That's like fun. a lot of it. Okay. I liked a few songs. Some of it was like, I don't know. Okay. Yeah. I never got into them. Mm-hmm. Um, Danielle, well, actually, I think it's all of Hein, but the the vocals you can hear is on this amazing song by Twin Shadows called Saturdays. Do you all know this song? Yes, it's an amazing, amazing, fun song. And Twin Shadow is uh, like an, an amazing artist that I'm more and more excited about every day. Um, and yeah, I highly recommend listening to Saturdays because if you, if you miss a good Danielle Heim vocal, you can get a little hit of it in that as well. That's great. Uh, good stuff going on. Um, okay. So today in our episode, we're going to talk about resistance music post Trump. So before we do that, let's get into the A sides. So what is going on with Woodstock 50? Literally what? Like, it's unclear. No <laughs> no one knows. Twitter is ablaze with speculation. Um, it's sort of, you know, this this could all resolve itself soon. But, it could. Or it could not. It could not. And, and that's it, what's fun. Right. Who is not. misleading Miley Cyrus? That's what I want to know. Oh, right. It has such a lineup. Like, I have the lineup here, actually. We have The Killers, Miley Cyrus, Chance, Ugh. Jay-Z, Imagine Dragons, who I don't care about, but everyone seems to like them, except people that I associate with. I don't understand them, but yeah. that's for a different day. Um, Halsey. You know, right. And then even, like, like John Fogarty, like, Akon. You know, we got... This is a, an amazing lineup, if it is real. Right. If it's real. There's, there's the rub. <laughs> and there it is. There's the rub. Because, so obviously Woodstock 50 is, you know, it's, we're coming up on the, the 
50th anniversary of the original Woodstock. And it has the same sort of um, mission statement, if you will, mm-hmm. about days of days of peace and love. Yeah. but And music. But isn't part of, even though I love all this lineup, I also am just like inherently skeptical because I feel like Woodstock was just so a purposefully countercultural moment. And this lineup, although I love every single one of them, is doesn't seem countercultural literally exactly, at all. Exactly. So let's go through it briefly. Um, and let's take a pit stop at Firefest on the way. Because we have to. We have to. <laughs> and I just coerced my brother into watching yet another Firefest documentary. Good, good. So, so yes, Woodstock 69, like we can now consider it one of the most profound events in music history. Absolutely. Um, it started off as a paid event, but so many people showed up that it was just sort of like impossible to turn them away. It just became a totally free event because of history stuff. Um, (laughs) it was also like incredibly peaceful. Like it's Mm -hmm. a crowd of 500,000 people, which is so many people. Um, and everyone just chilled out. And for the most part, like there's probably, there's a little more tumult than, than, people will give it credit for but it's really like one of the most peaceful gatherings ever in a recorded history that i'm aware about beautiful <laughs> um but it's also inextricable from the countercultural anti-war movement mm-hmm. as you're talking about um it also it's so different because the most powerful establishment figures who were all still sort of like trying to keep everyone on board with vietnam and trying to quell the civil rights movement were terrified that people could organize on this mm. level for anything like this ha um and also right compared to this lineup the lineup most of those artists were not yet famous many of them would become one of some of the most famous and influential artists but um but it wasn't built that way right it wasn't built that way and it's sort of rare that they were sort of like it's amazing picked out and then and then became that way uh-huh so so why in god's name do we have to talk about firefest then <laughs> Taking me from one of the most happiest experiences to the one of the worst. <laughs> Firefest, which was a, a great personal gift to me. Yeah. Um, it's a big old scam. There's <laughs> there's no substance compared to Woodstock or anything else. But it's also reflective of the culture of the moment. Mm-hmm. Not in a countercultural way. Um, it was almost like the opposite of the free event. Oh, yeah. In the sense that many people paid many thousands of dollars and then they got Just nothing resembling little. anything that they were promised. Oh, God. Um, and instead of stemming from a purposeful cause, it stemmed from another specific and troubling aspiration to become so rich that someone is beyond accountability, yep. such as Ja Rule, such as Billy McFarland. Um. So it's just sort of a, it's, it's about a little more than like the surface level yeah. approval that you get from strategic posturing. And it's like a pre, it's a pretext for an Instagram post. That's all it is. Um, Might as well just be a pink wall. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. With a cactus. Exactly. Um, and but then the yeah. wall crumbles on your head. <laughs> right. Exactly. And like at my lo- most delusional, I like to joke that Ja Rule orchestrated the whole thing to expose the deep seated gravity of late capitalism. Sure. But let's go for that. That's a dream. That's a dream. But when you sort of like, you know, and we can another time go into the evolution of these things more and more, but Woodstock 50 appears to be the center of a Venn diagram. Oh no. A fire vest. 
and would suck 69 if there is such a thing. Um, you know, it's, it has, it has the same fire fest sort of scam energy because no one is getting tickets for some reason, even though it's in like a hundred days. I don't understand. Um, no one is, none of the art, the artists seem to be silent. So you, you can't get tickets for this is what you're saying? Nope. They're like, they're like going to be released soon. Sure. And for a minute it was canceled and then it was back on. Um, so, so someone is scamming Miley Cyrus. Right. And it's time for us to speculate wildly until we get more Is it Ja Rule? I hope so. It could be Billy McFarlane from prison. Yeah. He's orchestrating some kind of comeback, isn't he? Do we know who's, who's holding this? I know nothing about this. It's, um, well, so there are all these, so it's complicated because there are all these stakeholders and stuff who wanted to cancel it. Ugh. It's a lot of different. There's always a stakeholder of 10. It's a lot of different groups. Okay. Um, Dentsu Aegis Network. Okay. Mm-hmm. That is the one who was, that's the main investor who's pulled out. Okay. Mm-hmm. And because he pulled out, none of the artists in the lineup are now obliged to play at the event <gasps> because they had made payments through either him, Dentsu, or Amply Live, which is a subsidiary of them. But they haven't officially pulled out. They're just not obliged. So we might expect in a few weeks or months, people just like, pulling out yes and actually the black keys yeah just pulled out oh and they were like goodness. we can't do this anymore um the black keys who whose lead singer is married to michelle branch mm-hmm. which i love fun fact sweet wow okay so tickets... and listen when the black keys start doing something mm-hmm. you know jay-z follows i'm just kidding right but maybe by the way tickets go on sale on earth day april 22nd that yeah is that past. has happened already. that has happened nothing has gone on sale um wow there's just a lot to think about here. There's a lot. What um, do you what do you want people to think about? I want people to think about the way that that things that were actually important and good in the past are being remediated and reappropriated uh-huh. in ways that are very like scam scammy. Um, Not unlike the remake of Aladdin, where Will Smith looks. Scary. It's cerulean. <laughs> Which none Just of us keep deserve. things that are pure in the past. Yeah. Yes. Um and and not like not like we shouldn't ever aspire to these sort of things or that we shouldn't ever aspire to like the energy right. that was Woodstock. It's right. just that turning things like that into such a brand, which it has been since it originally happened, but um I do have a Woodstock a Woodstock blanket in my yeah home yeah of the poster that's, that's yeah the poster iconic that was but... a big part of my 18 year old identity was like someone who was obsessed with woodstock yeah well it was also like forced on us sure. in a way where like you know the older generation was was like nothing oh nothing my goodness um okay so we're gonna be watching this closely yeah because if scum someone is scamming our our girl miley we need, we need to now. save her right Okay, so those were the A sides. Let's do the B sides. That was a discussion. discussion. (laughs) Let's do the B sides. Okay, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about resistance music post Trump. And here's my like framing for all of you because in some ways I am disappointed. I don't want to bury the lead. I'm a little bit disappointed in um, resistance music post Trump. Honestly, I thought that after this guy was elected, 
I don't think we'll say his name too many more times throughout this episode, um, that we'd see a lot more resistance songs that are that are everywhere, that are mainstream, that are ubiquitous, that are that everyone knows that are part of the culture. And I want to assess what we have seen and what we haven't. And my kind of story where this crystallized for me was, I don't want to um, make anyone go back to how horrible it, that night felt when he was elected. Um, so I'll go through this very quickly. But I remember on that night, I, in addition to many things I said and cried and all those things, I turned to my boyfriend and I said, we better get good music out of this. That's what I, that, on that night, I was like, we're hopefully going to get some amazing music. Let's hope. And I feel a little bit disappointed in what we've been able to get and what we haven't. But more disappointed in music or in Trump? In the music. Well, you know, disappointed in, I don't know if disappointed is even the right word for what we experience with, with that person. So let's go, let's go back, back to the beginning. That's a great song. Let's go back. Mm-hmm. Here's what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the history of resistance music as pop culture. And this is where I need both of you as American history nerds to help me out. So my dad um, shared with me this story about the summer of, I believe it was 1969. And he was a kid. He was at the beach. And he talks about how he, everybody, everybody at the beach had their um, boombox or whatever you call it. And they were blasting that song War by um, Edwin Starr. The war. Huh. Uh, what is it good for? I just listened to it again today to like put my, it's so good. It is mm-hmm. such a good song. And of course it had such a huge, huge, um, it was a, it was quite a big deal. Right. And um, there were plenty of songs. I don't think we have to give a history of what the sixties and seventies were like for politically infused music. Um, you know, there was blown in the wind, which kind of um, became an, an, an anthem for a lot of people who um, were, uh, frustrated with with the wars and with um, I think American hegemony in a lot of ways and American imperialism, um, and of course I also listened to today to remind myself how freaking good what's going on by Marvin Gaye is. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, that is just like that song is mm-hmm. is amazing. Which was um, of course against the Vietnam War. So that was the sixties and seventies, and of course I'm not saying that where we are today in terms of in terms of what America looks like today, we're not facing what we were facing in the sixties and seventies, especially with the Vietnam war, with the draft. I don't think I'm trying to like draw direct comparisons or direct parallels, but I do think it was a moment when, you know, pop culture in general and pop music, just by virtue of who artists are is always going to be in some ways a left-leaning entity but of course, the flip side of that is because music exists in the commercial sense to keep itself going, it is also an institution in and of itself and therefore is rejects prog- progress in some ways. And I just don't feel like in today's society, although many artists can talk about um, 
can talk about resistance, can talk about, you know, speaking truth to power, what actually they produce that gets consumed is not as political as I feel like I thought it could be and has the potential to be. Um, so I thought we could talk about like some of the, what is going on um, in a good way, like what what kind of music has been produced that we are excited about. Um, but do you all have anything else to share about the 60s and 70s music that you feel like is relevant? Oh, lots. Yeah, I thought lots. so. <laughs> I'll keep it brief though. Please. Um, Please don't. Okay. So it's sort of, I think that, I think that the late 1960s are sort of a moment when music really became a touchstone for opposition Mm. in a way that it wasn't, not that it never had been before, but not on that scale. And it's like in 1965, almost no one even in America knew where Vietnam was. (laughs) Um, Most people, there was actually a lot of music. There was a lot of sort of like mythologizing recruiting music, like, um, Sergeant Barry Sadler, I had to uh-huh. write his name down because the Green Berets. There was a whole song in uh-huh. 1966 about that that was very popular and very like mythologizing and getting people to sign up for the war effort. Wow. Um, but as as it expanded, and and certainly, and the way we can sort of draw comparisons to all of our foreign policy missteps today, because they are they are many. <laughs> Is that when you have a couple of things are going on, when you have a draft and it's sort of like anyone, you know, could be killed and there's very little control in the way that we don't have a draft now. Mm-hmm. And we don't have those sort of numbers of of deaths now. Um, that is sort of a recipe for that impels sort right. of a tremendous sense of resistance right. in that way that we don't have now. But one of the other things that we should definitely talk about is. Um, there used to only be, when you said your dad sort of like everyone had their blue box and was listening to the same thing, there used to only be three major networks. Now there's like, right. There's so many. And there was a newspaper in every major Mm -hmm. city and that's what there was. And then now you have cable, the internet, It was just more possible for something to be ubiquitous where it isn't today. Well, now also with all those things, I think that there's an expectation that you should be doing something at all times. As an artist? Yeah, that like you have now like Instagram stories or Instagram or you have a way to connect with your fans and to show like if you are displeased with something in a way that you couldn't have in the 60s or the 70s. I think that's real. Yeah. The other thing that that Mimi that your um, comments made me think about in terms of the difference between the danger um, imposed by a draft versus versus the danger that we see today. I think one of the things that we know is that the people who are most endangered by this administration and and you know in some ways i thought that because so many people would be endangered you know that culture would reflect that but of course the people who are most endangered are the people with the least amount of power and the least amount of ability to influence dominant culture um and the you know the that are farthest away from um any ability to to like shape what uh dominant culture is um is is tackling so whereas the draft affected you know a wide cross-section including many people from dominant identities today the people who are most endangered aren't and that's like part of what i think people can kind of compartmentalize um and say i'm just going to talk about this in my instagram story and not put it in my lyrics right 
exactly. And it's right. There's this, there's something that should always happen that doesn't. And in fact, there are forces always working against it, which is that back then you had the civil rights movement picking up speed at the same time as, as sort of like this, this great majority is Mm. endangered Mm. um, in terms of like having to be drafted and it's, and it's more poor people. It's that poorer white people and people of color could recognize each other in the Mm. same struggle because it was so dramatic in a way that does happen to an extent now, but it's always a struggle to, to not have those sides work against each other because of the way that they're, they're being framed from above. So, um, you know, there's, there's a lot of that. Um, But a lot of those, a lot of those like cultural fault lines Mm. still exist. Like, with that sort of music and the way it is now there, whenever there is sort of resistance music or patriotism music, it's either like you're a patriot or you're a traitor <laughs> from, from one angle. Um, but there are so many different ways to categorize it. Like, like a change is going to come by Sam Cooke. Uh-huh. One of the best songs. That's a good song ever. That's still, that's like 50 years old and yeah. still resonates with us. It's like, still you know, slaps. Slaps. right. Still slaps. Still like, like I think I think we can all get on the same page in terms of like the future can be something different, can tell us something different as mm. long as we can actually yeah. harness it and and music can express that so well. But yeah. um I don't know. It's a it's a big it's a big challenge. It's a big challenge. <laughs> it's a big challenge. Yeah. It's hard to get like the same common information that is factual and true to reconcile things and get people on the same page right not that everything back then was factual and true but you know oh my goodness um so should we talk about what is going on Mm -hmm. today that we are excited about in terms of resistance music um what's funny is that i was kind of researching this episode kind of trying to find if other people are writing about why there isn't a ton of resistance music everywhere and actually what i was finding was a ton of roundups of resistance music. And that kind of was, it's good. It was good for me to kind of, you know, get a little bit out of my cynical head and um, see that there is a lot of music that's resisting um, what America is up to these days. That's flourishing. Um, and we really shouldn't take it for granted. I don't want to take it for granted. Um, and I think that it, what's obvious um, is that the, the um, genres that are tackling this the most effectively is hip hop. Hip hop is totally nailing this. Um, and, you know, I think a great example was um, A Tribe Called Quest when and Busta Rhymes during the Grammys in, this was a while ago now, February 2017, um, when uh, A Tribe Called Quest and then Busta Rhymes joined them and they spoke directly to the president. Um, Busta Rhymes called him President Agent Orange and said, I want to thank President Agent Orange for your unsuccessful attempt at the Muslim ban. Now we come together. And then everybody started chanting, we the people, which was super amazing. Um, and, you know, there there's a lot of uh, movement, especially in hip hop, to, to use music as a form of resistance. And what's interesting to me is that you know, hip hop is also what's dominating the charts. Like if you, if you open your Spotify and look at the charts, it's like mostly hip hop. And yet I still don't feel like it's the resistance music from the hip hop world has totally broken. I'm not saying there are plenty of exceptions to this. 
this is just my instinct. And so I wonder if actually it's, it resonates with the two of you or if it resonates with our audience as well, who might be feeling like maybe I'm just not opening my ears and not listening to what's, what's going on. Um, I think there's a lot of underground hip hop things that are happening that perhaps we don't listen to. But why is it underground? That's what I'm frustrated about that about. Yeah. (laughs) You know, you could also say that Kanye West was this uh, ahead of until he was 2016 until he wasn't until he was. like Jesus walks and all of them that all of those songs were yeah. very dissident yeah. and then whatever he now has his like church Sundays at church with Kanye yeah. but mm-hmm. the other thing. the other pieces the before before going to the to the negative because I did want to share some good examples um the song quiet by the artist do you say it milk yeah. I think it's Milk. And if it's not, I'm sorry. She is this gorgeous singer um, and has a great song, Quiet, um, that people became really, really, um, that they really elevated, especially around the Women's March. Um, and I also just like shout out to her for rhyming the word quiet with riot, which I just think is great. The chorus being, I'm, I can't keep quiet. Uh, no, I'm a, a one woman riot. I love it. So that's an amazing song that people were really, really resonating with. Um, another fun thing that happened that I found out while researching, I, I remembered, but I kind of forgot while researching this episode, is that when Trump visited the UK, um, a bunch of activists like organized to game Spotify mm-hmm. and play American Idiot over and over again until it to- got to the top of the singles charts um in in the UK. And apparently Trump did hear about this and was very upset, which I find really hilarious um and then i think there is kind of going back to what we talked about like there are are there are artists who are using their words if not their lyrics to uh share their their sentiments um when i've seen i saw demi lovato um her concert that was the day of the march for our lives in dc which is amazing. And she, she talked about the March for our lives. She was like, she talked about the importance of youth activists. It was, it was wonderful. And um, DJ Khaled and Kelani were both her openers, which mm-hmm. oh, I talked about that concert. It was amazing. Um, and they all mentioned it. And Ariana Grande um, has been mentioning activism in her concert. Um, and of course I try to keep track and I, I lose track immediately of all the artists who are posting on Instagram. Did you all see Cardi B's, um, Democratic nominee Instagram post. I iconic. It was amazing. So she posted. If you all haven't seen, you should go to her her Instagram page. She posted a uh, a list of all the Democratic nominees and said something like, "You know, this is the time for us to do our research. We don't want to wait until there's only a few left. Like, Mm -hmm. get educated people." And it was like amazing. Um, so it's happening in a lot of places. Um, but what I think I've been frustrated by is so there was a there was an article in billboard that i found this is from 2017 so it's been a few years now and i'm not sure it still lands where the article said that the sound of protest may no longer parallel the folksy tunes of decades past but it's louder and more unavoidable than ever and this is what i disagree with i don't find it unavoidable i find it actually incredibly avoidable (laughs) i find it really niche um and i don't see it everywhere um and I, I feel unsatisfied. Right. I think that was my, my gripe with it as well. And my thesis was like, 
there were only a few pathways for information in right. the past that everyone was tuned into. Right. Now you can sort of choose your own adventure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and how many adventures are there? Yeah, there's so and many. You can mute people. You can avoid life. Yeah, yeah. and there's so much. There's so much more um, escapism. Yeah, it's just so much. It's so much easier to do that if that's what you're really. I was going to say, you can turn on Spotify and like, let's say you don't want to listen to the Tribe Called Quest song and you'd rather mm-hmm. listen to, to a Carly Rae Jepsen, Call Me Maybe. You can Which easily, you can easily right. turn it off and change it as opposed to the radio within the 60s when that's all you could listen to. Right. Right. You can you choose your mood and your mood can be like, yeah. um, down. <laughs> Which in some ways is a, is a great escape, right? Yeah, like, and, yeah. and, and it is what music is, you know, I don't mean to say that everything should be resistancy, especially um I remember um when um Dr. Ford testified that day I made a playlist that I think is called um September whatever the date was. Yeah. I have a playlist called September twenty eighth, twenty eighteen. Cause mm-hmm. it was a it was a list of it was a playlist of calming music because I was so stressed out mm-hmm. that day. Um so you know music should be and can be an escapism. But yeah. here's one of my gripes. Here's here's a Hannah's old gripe session. A lot of the mainstream resistance music is just bad. And yeah. I'm like, why? Why is it so bad? Do you know that Br- Fifth Harmony has a song called Bridges? Bridges, Bridges, Have not, you- Bridges not Walls. Bridges Not Walls, you know? Yeah. It is so bad. It's pretty bad. It's just a bad song. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you get to change the rhythm. I mean, excuse me. It's a horrible song. Right. It's one of the first B-sides I ever wrote about, actually, with that change to the rhythm. Yeah. And how it was just a sway and a miss, Katy Perry. Mm-hmm. It was just, I just think it's bad. Yeah. And I was thinking about this. The I do have an exception, which is the song Americans by Janelle Lene. Which is a song. Um, and I think is like a perfect just delicious balance of resistance music and good music and also about her as an individual but also yeah. about everybody yeah. that's my exception to this rule and, and childish gambino and, but mm-hmm. but i also think the artists that you're talking about like janelle monet and childish gambino even are like activists in themselves I right mean, they're, they're not they're not, they're not phoning it in they're not phoning it in yeah, and it's hard to say that no one in- Sorry, go ahead. Becky. No, I was gonna say Fifth Harmony is like they're great, but I'm not gonna tune into them when I'm like, ah, yes, like let me listen to someone who I think of, and maybe that's your point that like perhaps these people that you think of like bubblegum pop should be also delivering a resistance message if they want to. And it's not even necessarily should; it's just that I wish, I wish it was more possible to be a little more seamless um, for you thought it was for forced. Pop- yeah, exactly. And I don't know why it has to be. Um, and I think it probably just has to do with with who they are. I think you're exactly right. I think Katy Perry is someone who does swings and misses around political activism mm-hmm. constantly. And why I, would we think I also would think Katy Perry thinks that political activism is quote unquote cool. Mm-hmm. So she comes out with, anything. yeah, she comes out with these songs because she's like, oh, this is like, I have a platform. I feel like I should be using it for this. But it's like half baked and it's like, no, maybe you should just stick to making like part of me and like those like great, songs. great like love song ballads instead of trying to be someone you're not. It's like, you Kitty Perry, I don't fucking turn to you. And I'm like, yes, like let's topple the patriarchy today. Like I turn to you and I'm like, oh, I'm feeling kind of sad. Like I want to listen to this song. Not that right. she couldn't be that. I just, she hasn't shown me 
that she I is. I think she that. could, but but she hasn't. It's just that it's a means to an end always, yes. and it really matters. It really matters what the end is. Yeah. To to know how how good the means and how good the art <laughs> is. Like the the end is so much more genuine and so much more thought out and so much more a part of actually the actual artist identity when it comes to Janelle Monet mm. or Childish Gambino. When it comes to Katy Perry, it's like, okay, this is something that you have been thinking about recently and <laughs> just and perhaps that. marginal. Yeah. <laughs> perhaps as part of like your image more than about what's actually going on around. Exactly. You. So do we think a takeaway here is that resistance music that comes from an artist who doesn't have a stake, a personal stake mm-hmm. in what they're resisting is not gonna land? Yeah. That group is funny. I don't know if though. that's true. Yeah, but I also don't, you don't, Katy Perry may have a personal, I don't know. I don't think you can make a blanket statement right. like that. I don't, and I don't want to. Mm-hmm. And that's part of, you know, but part of what I think made Americans so good was that it was so broad. It, it is about so many individuals and you hear Janelle's story mm-hmm. in it. Whereas Chain to right. the Rhythm was the opposite of that. You don't hear anything about Katie in it. You just hear a total indictment of essentially everyone but Katie. That's what right. it sounded like. Just, you know, just Janelle, just Janelle Monet write her. I'm going to see. Yeah, look it up. Song. I'm sure that it's with other folks. Yeah. And I also think that there are probably people who have, so that I walk back my attack a little bit uh-huh not all the way uh-huh. <laughs> um that that there are people who do have a personal stake but the way that they express it even if they are artists are not through their music their music sure. are about particular things sure that said i think you could also not have a personal stake and still create something that is genuine and also like a bop uh-huh. you know uh-huh. and it just it just doesn't you know i don't know so here's something else that has disappointed me mm-hmm the list of disappointments, but hopefully not a downer. Um, something I've noticed is that there's also the sense that artists who are using some sort of political edge are doing so very subtly and in a way that scores them points without actually having to do anything. So here's an example. I heard an interview with Justin Tranter. He's an amazing songwriter. He writes a lot with Julia Michaels. I love his music. Um, and he uh, one was either the main writer or one of the writers with um, with the, the Dua Lipa song that's called Swan Song. I don't know if you've heard this. It didn't get like huge, um, but it was written for that movie Alita Battle Angel, which looked really stressful. Mm-hmm. Did not want to see it. It did hit the top 20. And um, Justin Tranter in this interview talked about how it references ACT UP. On the one hand, super cool. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, he was talking about how if you don't know that it references ACT UP, you don't have to know. But if you know, you know, and it's this little Mm -hmm. nod. So there's the line is, I won't stay quiet. I won't stay quiet because staying silent is the same as dying, Mm -hmm. which is the silence equals death. The, you know, that, that really important piece of ACT UP's history. And that frustrated me because in some ways it's like, okay, you get points for referencing ACT UP, but I had listened to that song a few times. I'd never, I I hadn't been like, oh, it's an ACT UP reference. Yay. Mm -hmm. You know? And I feel like that's, that's frustrating to me um, because then it's almost like, what's the point? Are you just getting, are you just getting points from your lefty friends, but you know, not actually pushing anybody to, 
to think of anything any differently or actually elevating ACT UP at all. And you're just doing it as a throwaway. Right. Maybe it's right. too cynical. Well, I, I have mixed feelings about that in general when yeah. people sort of make these hidden references like that, because I think that in the past there have been ways where that is done subversively because maybe their music wouldn't have gotten on the radio or yes. something had it been. And it is a little bit like nudge, nudge. Exactly. If, I, if, if you see me, I see you kind of thing. Exactly. And it can sort of spread. And I think that that is cool. But with this, I am inclined to agree with you that it's sort of like. You could have been, you could have been more explicit, but you shouldn't necessarily have to tell us later. Like, by the way, this is right. like, you could, you could, you could, um, you know, post game do yeah. that. With if a you lot really of- care about the cause, like donate like 10% of however the revenue of the song, you know? Like- right, right. And to give him more credit than I feel like I did, he is like an activist. He actually does a lot of great work. Mm-hmm. Um, that's almost why I was frustrated. But hopefully, listen, if it gave anybody a little bit of, uh, if anybody felt seen or if anybody felt, um, you know, grateful and they when they heard that line, like, I'm happy for it. I just don't mm-hmm. feel like that counts. That doesn't count is what we're talking about here, right? Um, and I think, you know, in general, um, as a poptimist, as someone who is quite obsessed with pop music and who really believes that pop music reflects what's going on in the world, I have been disappointed by pop as a genre in general. Um, and and of course, what we have to remember is that resistance music, as especially Mimi talked about, it never came from pop. And yet it was it was everywhere. Um, so that's like an interesting piece. And I think part of what what my takeaway is is that it's really just difficult um, and unsatisfying for me to reconcile pop culture's progressive tendencies, especially from Instagram stories, especially from, you know, uh, the artists themselves with the reality, which is that pop music is the establishment. It exists to keep itself going. It exists to keep existing. And that's just the truth. Um, Yeah. yeah. They want to sell, want to make money. They want to make money. Yeah, and that was and that was true with rock and roll too, where it was uh-huh. like this is becoming yeah. very commercialized as it's critiquing capitalism. Yeah. I'm confused, but not entirely yeah. surprised. You know? So to put a bow around this conversation, mm-hmm. let's see if we can identify what are the like factors that are needed for a resistance song to be more ubiquitous and are any of them even possible during today's age? Um and I think that one of them that we've touched on is that music was the direct way that artists had to reach their fans. Today, artists have a number of platforms and so they can kind of compartmentalize their music from their message, which I think is one of the factors. Mm -hmm. I also think another factor is um, attention spans that people, you know, that we're all just focusing less and less on, which, you know, I don't want to be like someone who's just complaining about the internet and, and, you know, the shortness of attention spans, but I do think that's something that's interesting. Um, what do you all think are some factors that are needed for a resistance song to be ubiquitous? Um, I think it also depends the person who's singing or performing it. Yeah. As well. Like Katy Perry will always have fans and change the rhythm will always play. But I think with people like Janelle Monet and Childish Gambino, it comes it depends the person who's singing it in the mouth that it's coming from. Yeah. Yeah. For it to be taken seriously. You know what I think also that um, happened that I feel heartened by? Um, I was talking about this um, with someone about how 
in some ways the most political um thing about this moment is not the songs themselves it's just the fact that i actually really do feel this like elevation of music and art from people of color and that the society at large has so much less patience for white mediocrity mm -hmm. i just feel like that has it has happened and i feel really i think that's a good thing and i think it's not necessarily that it's about the songs themselves it's about there's just there are still plenty of mediocre white artists right now but there's a lot less patience for for mediocre white artists like i don't think people are giving you know people who are just blah a big as much of a chance as I think they have been in the past. And I think that's a great development. I feel great about that. Right. And that, and that, right. That's great. And it's in some ways mirrors our political system right. a little bit. Right. I, totally. There's, so you mean in terms of like candidates and who's getting elected? Exactly. Yeah. It's like, we're questioning a little more. All we are. The, all the, I don't know. Becky doesn't know. <laughs> no, I wish that were true, but I don't think so. But Compared to compared to what it was for almost all of history up through the two thousands, sure. I think. But like Bernie like, Sanders is still leading the polls. So is Joe Biden. Of course. So is of course. Mayor of Pete. course, That's they're true. not. Of course, they're not just going down because they've been they've been at the top they're for so long. <laughs> yeah. If only, if only Kesha. That. God, that is so good. If someone's campaign uh, thing was Timber, and it was just about all the other. I'm glad it's going down. <laughs> Let's make it happen. Someone again, people should consult with us again. Yeah, yeah. I see what you're saying. Not to diminish that, I just still get extremely discouraged because, like, these people are still the ones that are taking right. seriously paying the media attention. When, like, it's totally, true. totally, it's not. There's, there's such a long way to go. Yeah, but yeah. compared to what it was, I'm always like, but this, but that, but this, and I go ping. Let's back just and forth say that the B sides is a place for butts. Butts belong here. <laughs> And really we're, not, we're not an improv yes and we're just a <laughs> no but no but no buts so i mean that's that's what i have to say mm -hmm. about resistance um i'm very curious to hear what your all's reactions to our conversation um is going to be uh does this resonate with you are there things you're not thinking about um and maybe we should make a playlist of some of the best resistance music of the last few years because there is good music um and maybe Definitely. it's up to us to elevate it a little bit more i gotta listen to bridges you know becky i you you don't it's becky, so bad unfortunately <laughs> you don't unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fine. It's just it's it's mediocre, and that's when I'm like, you know, if you're gonna phone it in on something, can it be a phone? Can you phone it in about a song where you're grinding up on a guy on the dance floor? Mm -hmm. Can you not phone it in for this? Mm -hmm. You know, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay, those are the B sides. Okay. Okay, we've got a blank space, babe. We'll write your name. Welcome to the U sides. <laughs> The you sides is a part of every episode where we hear from you. So here um, we asked on Instagram, who is, a, is an artist that you watched blow up from the beginning? Because what I'm also excited about is to figure out who, who are, who are we watching blow up right now? You know, it's one of those like hindsight of 2020 things, mm -hmm. but I think we were talking about you know how much we love Taylor Parks are we going to watch her blow up and in a year from now are we going to say you know Becky was so lucky that you got to see her open mm -hmm. so 
the B-Sides community is unsurprisingly ahead of the motherfucking curve. They, you all have seen the coolest people like in small venues. And um, interestingly, I will say the person that came up the most was Haim. A lot of people saw Haim very early on. I wrote to you too, Anna, that I felt the way about Haim too. Yes. Me also. So you too? Mm -hmm. So tell me about that. I saw Haim at Made in America in 2013. That's amazing. And they performed at like 2 p.m. You know, it was like an early one. Could you tell? Like, did you see both of you? Like, did they have star power right away? Were you like, this is good? Or were oh, you yeah. like, this is I a was, fine band? And I was with Isaac. Hi, Isaac. Hi, Isaac. Um, and he was like, I've heard they're really good. We should go see them. They were not on the main stage. Sure. They were on, like, a side stage. But as soon as they started playing, it was like, they're, they do have star power, and they're very talented musicians, and they have such a presence, and they were interacting with the audience in fun ways, and, like, throwing their shoes oh my god into the audience and borrowing other people's into the crowd borrowing (laughs) other people's shoes things like that wow um so immediate like i started listening to them immediately wow after that um i was very taken that's amazing with their music um one of our besides friends um actually said that she got to hang out with them one night and she shared a wonderful story and and it seems like they're they were very genuine and um just really like nice people which doesn't actually always happen it's so really nice. that was very heartening yeah. yeah they're very funny too I actually oh, don't think no. about mm-hmm. speaking of people I saw when I went to Bonnaroo an extremely long time ago in 2011 which I will never well, ever want to do again in my entire life not for me but I saw the head in the heart play oh really small they were like a Sunday at 11 a.m time and they were amazing and they've blown up I don't know how good they are necessarily now but they were great Amazing. I love that. Another person that came up for a few people um, was Casey Musgraves. Mm-hmm. So a number of people have said that they've known her for a while. Um, Kenny shared um, that her cover of Apologize, which I didn't even, I didn't know until this moment that she put a cover on, um, of Apologize, which apparently went quite viral and the merry-go-round video shot on an iPhone. So this was like a long time ago, um, Kenny falling in love with Casey Musgraves. And Leah also said that um, she saw Casey Musgraves at a free show and she only had a group of probably like 20 stands. And what I think is notable about that response is that even though it was a group of 20, they were already stands. It was not 20 randos who had like showed up to a free show. It was people Mm -hmm. who were like, this person is amazing. Mm -hmm. And I love that. And I think Casey Musgraves definitely brings that out of people. Um, And then there were some like amazing... um, (laughs) Jillian shared Katy Perry saw her at a warped tour before I kissed a girl became popular. She wasn't good live and that feels totally un- unsurprised. Um, and someone else said um, the Jonas brothers saw them play for the first time at a six flags in front of 40 people, wow. which is amazing. Wow. No way. There's you know, a- when I came to my college in 2011 too. And she was great. Oh, same actually. Yeah. Yeah. She must have done a college tour. Yeah, because Becky, also Nina said this as well. Becky was one of our So I, I was in friends. I was in concert commission. Yeah, college, you were to organize stuff like this. Becky was fun with her yeah. band. No. Okay, yeah. No. No. I don't oh my god, maybe, but I don't remember seeing fun. I remember seeing Janelle Monet. 
And it was like it was like their first single. They weren't really a band yet. I'm also wearing a format t-shirt right now, which was uh, back when Hell yeah. was good. And oh my band. god! I feel you are wearing that shirt. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I saw her then too, and she was so down to earth and, oh, and cool, great. Remember, she painted on stage. Did you do that at your concert? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Halsey just did that at SNL. Oh, okay. Wait, wait. Fainted or painted? Painted. Did. Painted, yeah, yeah. Halsey just said that on SNL. Ugh, I don't care about Halsey. I know I don't either. <laughs> um, did you did you all see that in Janelle? That you were you like she's gonna be a star? Or were you just like this is a good, you know, thirty minutes of my life? I was like, I want her to be. I want really? her to be a star. And I I had seen a few older music videos of hers, and yeah. I was like, she's she's so creative and great. And I was like, I hope she's. A, I'm I'm. I'm glad that she she's probably more than of one than I thought that she would be because I was cynical uh-huh. um, and it was 2011. Um, so it's great. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, we got a lot of great responses. The last one I want to um, also lift up is from our same besides friend who talked about meeting Heim. Um, username on Instagram is I'm using. Hi. Um, she said that she took an ex to see, she g- dragged an ex to see Lady Gaga in a parking lot many, many moons ago. Wow. And she said, uh, uh, right? It is. And I asked her if I could share her story because it was so fun. She said she made every effort to see her. Um, I saw posts about her on, oh no, they didn't, a celebrity gossip community on live journal which is just like mm. that is some epic stuff mm-hmm. and then her performances were electric and of course they still are um then she was sweet and she was sweet smelling and a sweet person which i love when i saw her in the ikea parking lot they were like one autograph only but i snuck in a second one i stuck out my hand and asked her to sign my sweater she did kissed the tip of my ring finger and i died that's when security yelled at me to keep it moving, <laughs> which I just That's love. That's so sweet. I love that. I would have been so fun to see Lady Gaga yeah. rise from the yeah. beginning. That would have been really fun. Well, I would like to say, okay, I did not listen to Lady Gaga very originally, her sure. very first songs at first. Um, I can say that I've seen her from the beginning in the sense that she was on MTV's Boiling Point. What? In like the early 2000s. Yes. Before she was famous or anything. When she was Stephanie Germanata. Yes. And she did not, she did not make it to the, you know, the premise of not freaking out and then getting paid. Um, she, she had, she had some bad service at a restaurant and she freaked out and, you know, did not make the much. She reached her boiling point early, but it was Oh, great. is the point of the show that if you don't reach your boiling point, you Yeah, get let me, money? yeah. Alex, <laughs> please it's explain empty reality shows. It's, right. It's essentially indifferent. Uh, it's usually like a restaurant or something like that. Um, the service is terrible. Like they'll put like a dirty napkin in your salad and give it to you or so- something awful that no one really would ever do. Um, and it's sort of like, if you can reach 15 minutes without sort of like freaking out um, or leaving or something, you get like a hundred dollars or so. Wow. Um, and she reached her boiling point. She reached her boiling point oh, pretty Stephanie. early. Um, and I think, and just like left. Uh, I think that's indicative that, that she knows what she wants in life. Yeah. And she gets it. And she does not want a salad with a used napkin in it. Yeah. You know, I can relate to that. Salads are challenging enough. They are. <laughs> they are. So those are the you sides. Um, we are always excited to hear your feedback. So I think for, um, we would love to hear for the next you sides, your reactions to um, resistance music. Um, we want to hear 
um, what resistance music you have loved, what resistance music um, you have been disappointed by. Um, and we want to hear all of that. So um, that's our show for today. Yay. Yay. Thank you all so much for listening. Um, we so appreciate it. So um, one question I have for you all before we close um, because I must ask. So for those of you who are listening, who also subscribe to the B-Sides newsletters, which are, um, we're in between seasons right now, the B-Sides newsletters, but usually they come out once every three weeks with a playlist. Um, I've gotten a lot of wonderful feedback from you all that you miss them and you want them, but I'm curious. I want to hear your genuine, genuine feedback with this podcast. Do you also want newsletters in your email? I don't want to make them if you if you don't want to read them. So please, please let me know um, and about the playlist as well. So um, we'd love to talk with you. So follow us on Instagram. Our Instagram handle is listen to the B-sides. Listen, T-O, the B-sides. On Twitter, we're at the B-sides pod. You definitely have to join our Facebook group. It's way too much fun. Um, you can either just search the B-sides or the direct link is B-I-T dot ly slash the b-sides fb group join us on all those things email us with questions and ideas at listen to the b-sides at gmail.com um i can't believe i'm saying this it makes me feel like such a grown-up and like a real podcast host because i'm about to say subscribe rate and review us rate and review us on itunes five stars we want five stars representing five ariana grande albums um, and, uh, review us. So here's what we, what we're asking. Use the word surprising in your review, somehow, any creative way, the most creative way we'll read your review. Um, and that's how we know that you will have come from this episode and lasted as long as you did. Um, we so appreciate it. Um, until the next time we cut to the feeling. Bye friends. Bye. I'm Hannah Jo. I'm Mimi. Bye Becky. We're the B-Sides, and we'll see you next time. Bye.